Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patreons, uh, welcome back to another episode. Friends from the fantasy community, the multi-buy rounds hit us. They are here. It is on round 12 and boy oh boy there's a lot to get through on this episode we want to talk Brody Grundy we want to talk about buy rounds Patreon questions and a bunch of other stuff to get us there though uh, one of the most uh, established members of the coaches panel I got Benny Gogos hello buddy G'day mate it's going to be an epic conversation very excited uh, in this new format this Facebook format so take it away let's see how we go Yes, no, what we're doing for our Patreons at the moment is a little bit of trial and error is we're letting them uh, kind of have a live viewing party on our podcast as well, uh, recording. So there might be moments um, where they say something that we're like, you know what, that's a really great question. We want to interact with that. There might also be a bunch of other stuff, John, that I'm looking at you that hijacks the plans, but that's a part of the fun of uh, being a part of the Coaches Panel Patreon. If you want to join our supporter group, all the links for that are at coachespanel.tv. And while we're there, Ben, there was a big article I dropped just in the past kind of 36 hours or so uh, around Brody Grundy. Um, where should we start on this conversation? He's owned about 50% of um, formats in, in 50% in every single format. If you don't have him, oh, it feels wrong to say it, but you're probably on the back scale of rankings, given how good he's been so far this year. If you're a Brody Grundy owner, where should we start and how should the conversation help coaches make the decision about whether to trade or not? Because he will not play until that earliest round 15 after his buy round. Yeah, it's the question on everyone's lips right now, isn't it, mate? Um, and look, perfect. to be perfectly honest, I think it's different from format to format. So uh, holistically, it's, it's going to be an altered conversation. But first thing off the ranks, like, we have got no one competing with Grundy and Gorn this year. In previous years, we've had, we've had an O'Brien that's sort of around the mark. We've had a couple of rucks up and about. Um, this year, there's a huge chasm. So we're looking at a Brody Grundy in Dream Team AFL Fantasy of about 110 points. Pre-injury, you know, close to that 115. And the next best ruck is sort of around that 90-point mark um, at best. Uh, so yeah. that's that's obviously, yeah, it's a difficult one. We're looking at Darcy at the moment. He's obviously been extremely injury prone. Cool. He, he's an absolute yuck uh, pick in my in, from my perspective. So I think we're going to have to get very creative around this trade, MJ. But the beauty in this, in this uh, at the moment is, quite frankly, Grundy was a guy that everyone had to have. I think that's I've, true. Yeah, I think I spoke about this in a podcast maybe a month or two ago that I, I felt like Gorn and Grundy, I hate to use the term must-have, and, and you know this as well as anyone, <laughs> but I felt like you could not win overall without owning those two just because of the difference between the, the two rucks. And that, this is coming from someone who actually started with two rookie rucks uh, on the ground come round one saying that. So, um, look, perfectly honest right now, my thinking is it's going to be a two-week strategy Yep. We have a guy, uh, now this is this is for Dream Team only, AF, sure. AF, got to move the trade right this week. I Absolutely agree. attack, no-brainer. Supercoach, probably more your domain, MJ. Um, so I might leave that up to you. But 
from Dream Team, my, my thinking right now is this is going to be a two-week plan of attack and it's going to involve one to two downgrades um, and potentially releases uh, cash, cash or it creates a lot of cash flow to basically upgrade your team over the next two to three weeks. Ned Reeves is the guy that I think is going to be almost a must-have rookie next round. Um, again, don't like to use that term, but he has been exceptionally good. Hawthorne is a dominant, uh, is, is struggling and they need to get, uh, you know, rookie, like rookies in. They need to get young players in right now. He Thank has you. all the chance in the world to play the next 10, 11, 12 games of the season. Now, uh, he's a guy that I think in that type of role, we've seen it with Matt Flynn, uh, young rucks can still get to 70. They can still get to 65. He's at yeah. bargain basement price. So we have the opportunity to take him and that frees up between 700, 500, 600K, depending on the format, and then attack on that and make sure you upgrade the rest of your team and you're getting that cash generation. Now, look, we can talk through a few other options, but that's definitely where my head's leading at this moment in time. I think I think that's a really the approach. And it's a similar mindset in, in Supercoach too. Is, um, so, to, so to be clear though for people, you're saying move Grundy to Reeves? Is that what you're advocating for? To free up that cash to be able to make probably a double upgrade um, next week, simple and clear, let alone maybe what you've already got stashed in the bank plan for big, big moves. Potentially. I, I'm, also, I'm also thinking of uh, going Grundy down to CCJ this week. Nice. Um, so the round 13, the round 13 uh, buy works in the rucks for a lot of teams because they have uh, Flynn, they have the two round 14s at the moment. So you can bring CCJ in and the next week you have one of your, one of your rookies. Uh, I know a lot of people still have a, a Bergman or a Rao or one of those guys. Waitman's a guy that might you know, be yeah. at the top of his price next week. Uh, going, going one of those guys down to Reeves, moving CCJ into the forward line, which allows that uh, sort of that DPP. If something goes wrong in the future, we can, we can move another ruck out. Um, yep. But then it frees up a huge amount of cash to just attack. You will not need to make, with those, with those downgrades, you should not need to make a downgrade for the rest, depending on how you are going into this week. I know a yep. lot of teams right now have a couple of hundred thousand in the bank. So Stash this is almost come, yeah, it's almost come at a bad time for some teams. Um, but the reality is you can set yourself up from a cash gener generation perspective if you attack it that way. So you're just going to be a little bit positive. It's completely frustrating, mate, to be perfectly <laughs> frank with you because my, um, my buyers were looking fantastic. I'm sure a lot of guys, especially the guys that take it a little bit too seriously, they had their buyers planned out, uh, perfectly ready to go. And then, yeah, of yeah. course, we get a serious injury. But it makes the game so much more fascinating. So, And I'm super intrigued to hear what you've got to say about it, to be honest, Matt. Well, I think part of it always depends on what's your strategy in terms of what are you aiming for? Are you aiming for leagues? Or are you aiming for rankings? Because that changes the direction of it. It also factors in how many more trades have you got to use to get to a completed side? Can you go and get Grundy back? Um, I, I have you got so cursed by injury this year or made a couple of dumb moves that you find yourself going, okay, if I move Grundy out here, yes, I can make moves here, here, and here. But can you get him back in? Because as you said so brilliantly before, if you're moving him on, there's nobody else that you want to go and get. 
two in a couple of weeks, as good as O'Brien was last week against the Tigers, it's probably the first time in eight weeks he's looked like the O'Brien of last year. I know Nick Nat um, has moments in Supercoach where he looks stunning and sensational. But is he really the guy in six weeks' time, or is you're running into the final four weeks of the year to, to be trading against him and Grundy? Should Grundy be... I just don't know. So I think for me, those are always the things is, what's your strategy? Before I tell you what I would do or what I'd advocate for, what's your strategy? How many more premiums have you got to go? If you're getting rid of him, what's your plan to get him back? Um, And then if you are choosing to hold him, you're losing a premium that you banked on having this week and next week. So you're down let's say 230 points based on the forecast you have. If you're going to choose to hold, how are you going to minimize that loss of bankable points that you get? Because he's the round 14 buy. And so for me, those are all the factors to kind of put in the melting pot. And then the last one would be, are you a Flynn owner? Because if you're a Flynn owner, this now opens up opportunities of cash generation where holding him could be a viable option. It could be. You could do a, to use a Callum Coleman-Jones, who with the injury of Lynch and now recently a Nat Curvis, while he's probably more a relief ruck than primary ruck, probably does solidify him in, in the team a little bit longer. Mm. So, so you could potentially look at a Flynn to a CCJ this week, stash your Grundy, but do an upgrade that you might not have thought of this week and then go and get your Reeves via a Warner or a Jones or a Rowe or a, a Waitman or whatever it is. So you could minimize it that way. I, I think there's ultimately multiple ways to skin it, but gosh, you've got to be aggressive in whatever move you do. You can't just go, well, I'll bench him and I'll do nothing for the, for this week. If you're in contention, you're stuffed. My best advice would be map out your team. What it would look like at the end of round 15. If you trade him this week, what are the moves it enables you to do over the next three weeks? What are those upgrades it gets you to? What does your round 15 side look like? And then um, if you can map it out of, if you hold him, what does it look like? What are the aggressive moves you need to make? So those are the things for me I'd be considering and looking at is map out both strategies. Look at what it could be. Look at how you're going to use those eight, nine trades over the next few weeks. And then that the, whatever's right based on what your objective is, pull the trigger, but you just commit to it. Otherwise you'll get stuck in a halfway house of next week where you go, Oh, I should have traded Grundy. It's too late. It's gotta be yeah. this week really, doesn't it? Yeah. 100%. And look, there, there's another one I want to throw up as well. So we, you did mention the Nick Nadanui. Um, yes. Now, a way of looking at this is potentially we've got a, another 11 rounds or so to play of fantasy footy. Yep. Brody Grundy at best might have, say, nine of those games. Uh, sure. You know, let, let's say yeah. for average sake, he averages a 110 um, over that period, MJ. So, so quick 990. Yep. 990. Yep. Yep. 990. yep. Nick Nat goes at 90 over 11 rounds. Um, it's, yeah. uh, 90 points up, left. It, even, it evens up pretty quickly, doesn't it, mate? It evens up very quickly. Yeah. And, and, look, and, and we're saving another couple hundred thousand. True. Yeah. That's true. So it's a, it's, it's a big, big... It's one of those things where I think a lot of coaches look at it. And I, you know, I'm someone who looks at Nick Nat and I'm like, oh, he's an injury risk. He's not necessarily ever, ever been a really dominant um, dream team and AF player, exceptional yeah. super coach, of course, but 
Absolutely. Um, he's not someone that, that I watch and gravitate towards, but we've got to be thinking creatively here. Um, mm. And these are one of these, this is one of these strategies that, look, it's not going to feel great not having Brody Grundy in your team on the run home. But what does, what does the 200,000 enable you to do? Well, that's Simple it. Well, does that extra 200K turn um, uh, James Jordan into a Clayton Oliver this week, hypothetically? Yeah. And, and now all of a sudden, it's not just Grundy v. Nick Nat. It's Grundy v. Nick Nat for nine versus 11 weeks, plus mm. the scoring difference of a Jordan to an Oliver type. So, so that you're right. You've got to look at it as the big combination of points because sometimes coaches might have listened and heard you said earlier going, did you just say Grundy to a cow? That that feels like it breaks every kind of rule, but then it's not just a sit and stash and wait. It's get aggressive with that cash generation now and not just in a fortnight. Yeah, you've got to attack. You've got to attack. So the, re- the reality is I don't feel like going down to a rookie is a great move, but the reality is none of the rocks are appealing to me at all. And the cash gen, cash gen is always appealing to me, MJ. Even towards yeah. the back end of the, the season, I think teams right now, they're pulling into maybe 15 trades, maybe 13 trades. They haven't quite done the, the long-term math, but I, I can promise you that a lot of teams are going to be struggling to finish their side. And they might be, they might be finishing their side maybe around round 15, round 16 with six trades left. Cash generation is still going to be extremely important. We still need to find that one cow. And I definitely think that one cow can actually be Ned Reeves, where he yeah. could potentially make an extra 250000 for us, which is, which is why I'm so bullish on him being a really, really important pick. Um, but we've got to get creative around how do, we, how do we all make this work. Matt Flynn, open, like you said before, Matt Flynn opens up a lot of options. Mm. Um, and kudos to all the coaches that managed to hold him because... You know, having a $450,000 asset on your bench is never, like, exciting. Um, you'd rather see that on your field, but it's now paying paying off for the coaches that have done that. So you got to get really creative with this. I think that going down a rookie, from my perspective, that's that's the move I'm going to do at this moment in time. Yeah, nice. Like, like I said, there are multiple ways you can get there to the ultimate objective as a completed team of premiums. The encouragement is map out the right move for your side see what's there you know the uniquenesses of what you have both in terms of motivation buy structure who are you just running a bunch of dead cows on the bench Um, what is your unique troubles and issues for your team and then on the basis of mapping it out pull the trigger on that move and just commit to it don't sit halfway on it absolutely go for it because you mentioned this idea of rucks and cows coming through we did have just hours before starting this podcast episode, um, the mid-season draft dropped. And there's a couple of players that kind of catch our eye. Now, I think teams go with one or two approaches with the mid-season draft. Um, and we saw this um, a, a play on Wednesday night. Some coaches just go, we are playing the long game medium to long-term approach. And we're going to pick a kid that we just want them in our system now. And we almost want to get six months ahead of time in the development of them. So someone like an Edwards who went to North Melbourne, a Parnell who went to the Crows, these sort of players that like, look, they're not going to play this year. They'll be nice for us next year, potentially, but they've got them because they see something. Then there's others who are, who are legitimately just needs filling. 
Um, and then there are others that kind of fit both worlds. I, I think Jai Newcomb for Hawthorne, for example, as a midfielder, um, should be a basement price for us based on where Hawthorne's list profile is and how bullish Sam Mitchell has been on him. I, I'd be shocked if he didn't get games um, soon. So there's another cow that we didn't know we'd have an hour ago or three hours ago. We have. Moyle is a ruckman that's up to Gold Coast. They need, if you're over 190 centimetres and you're fit, you're playing in the ruck for that team. That's how it's kind of going at the moment. And then there's a couple of others, isn't there? Another um, Jackson Callow, who's gone to your team, Hawthorne, who is certainly developing um, a rebuild through there. DeCleese, who's gone to Melbourne. So we do have another bunch of half a dozen to a dozen potential cows in the mix, let alone others that we hadn't seen that were building towards. So, so there are options coming for us. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. But I think one of the important things is we're looking to complete our teams as fast as possible. Yeah. So we can't necessarily be reliant on Jack, John Newcomb to come in, say, in three weeks' time play a few games for the Hawks and then, you know, we're waiting until what round 18 for him to have actually hit a couple of hundred thousand dollars in profit. So these types of rookies, I'm almost thinking they're more likely to be the guys that maybe end up as a D7 and M yeah. an M9, maybe an M10, um, that final downgrade move. Um, and I, I like a lot of the names on that list, MJ. So I think John Newcomb's going to play a lot of games for Hawthorne um, in the near, near term. And, um, I've seen a couple of the Box Hill games. He's been very impressive. He's a very kid strong guy at the 19. Yeah. yeah. Kid can play. So, yeah. And he, he's been finding a fair bit of the ball uh, at a senior level. Um, yeah. I think one of the things we've with, with seen like from the transition from VFL to AFL is often uh, there's a decline in disposals um, as much to do with the position the player's playing as it is the speed of the game. Yeah. Um, I can see him actually coming in and probably playing a fair bit of midfield. So I, th I think, you know, he might be able to get his sort of 15, 18 touches a game. That, that sort of wouldn't surprise me um, from a, a midfield bull like him. Yeah. So there's, a, there's a reasons to be positive about a few of those names. And we're definitely going to have downgrade targets. I just wouldn't be reliant on them as necessarily being guys that are, are going to uh, facilitate huge up upgrades in the future. Yeah, no, fair enough. Two and and so I guess that kind of brings me to this point of we've got two guys at least in Dream Team and Super Coach um, that are still a week away from being on the bubble. They've just played the one game. Different in AFL fantasy where one it was already priced a little more. Un Awkward's probably the wrong term at three hundred and thirty odd k, but certainly not priced in the realm we wanted. I'm alluding to Callum Coleman Jones as a ruck forward and Trent Bianco as a defender mid. Callum Coleman Jones is on the buy next week. Bianco, next week, on the bubble and still available to play through that round 13. You've just alluded to the fact of that, how important it is to get aggressive, to get these premiums at the right buy structure and the right time for our teams. Are we justified in looking to trade in both a Bianco and a Coleman Jones this week, knowing that, Bianco will have at least one potential price move before his buy round. Well, as Callum Coleman Jones, coaches could wait off two weeks in terms of traditional time of purchase. Should we be looking to move in these kind of guys this week? Yeah, I I actually feel like we're that's totally fine move to make. And the re the reason I'll actually say that um, is twofold, but. One of the really important aspects in buy planning is that you're actually counting, and, it, and you harp on about this all the time, MJ, but 
you're, you're planning for your premium scores. Um, yeah. So, you know, we have to look at these guys as rookie scores. Uh, we've seen rookies in the past that have come out. We, you know, a good example of this was Errol Goulden started the season on fire. Um, yeah. You know, he was averaging his, his 90 or whatever it was for the first month. Yeah. Got a bit tired, um, you know, got a bit tough in a couple of games. You'd see a really strong, battled, hardened player that's maybe 25 fight through that and put up sort of consistent numbers still. Uh, yeah. But Golden, you know, as a, as a young kid, he, he dropped off significantly. We simply can't depend on rookies. And that's where I'd almost be like, oh, if I'm going to, if it allows me to upgrade my team a little bit faster, I'm almost willing to take on a rookie um, tasting donut. Like that, yeah, that's okay. something that I'm willing to do. Um, it's it's a it's one of those things. It's not it's not completely clear. It's it's totally different from team to team. Um, so you've got to an, analyze that yourself. And for some teams, it won't be the right move. But yeah. personally, I'm I'm all in for taking you know a CCJ this week or yeah, even a Bianco next week as well because Bianco showed a lot of positive signs on the weekend. He found a lot of the ball when he was put in the middle. Um, I think he ran out of petrol tickets a little bit towards the end, but he's a, yeah. he's a footballer. He can play. Yeah, yeah, he's a nice little keeper league prospect. If you can go and snag him as a kid, he he looks like an absolute whippet. Um, I don't want to talk about my own team, but I did pick him up, mate. Something. Oh, okay, okay. So just a way to flex on me, man. That's some nice work yeah. from you through there. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think again that Callum Coleman Jones opens up some incredible moves for you this week, whether it be from a Grundy or from a Flynn or elsewhere. Now all of a sudden it opens up that positional R three for you, whether it be to allow you to get Reeves. Next week from that um, cow in another line um, and flick a Coleman Jones um, into the forward line, whether you're a bullish on a Rowan Marshall in a couple of weeks time as your last forward upgrade. And now all of a sudden you've got DPP coming out the wazoo. So uh, I agree. I think both you can, uh, barring injury, I I can't see them being moved out of their current sides based off the injuries to current teams and where the, the kind of list profiles are at for both of them. So, yeah, I think that's a fair call. Um, the buys are interesting because the uh, the fine city of Melbourne that both you and I live in, we, we are at varying ends of, of the city. Uh, we generally don't get together to record podcasts anyway, but technically this doesn't count as essential service somehow. Uh, so because we are beyond the five kilometre radius of each other, we can't do this in person. And in the fine city of Melbourne that we uh, apparently live in, um, there are a lot of footy teams that are now on the road and there is a lot of scuttlebutt that is coming out about uh, potential buy and... Uh, Players and teams um, moving their buys, including uh, just as recent as an hour ago, the Western Bulldogs potentially playing one more week on the road before coming back. Now, for you, you're like, yeah, cool, one more week of McRae. Great. But are you a Laird owner? Are you a Steel owner? Are you an Oliver owner? Are you a Petrarca owner? Are you a Bontempelli Oh, Even just going through those two teams... It can screw your buy structure over. So how the heck do we navigate the unknown? Because it is unknown. Um, is it something we should be putting any time and effort and energy into as fantasy coaches going, okay, what if, what if, what ifs? Or is it just a, you can't control it, move on? Oh, it's a tough one, mate. Where, where are yeah. you leaning with it? I'm of the opinion that if... If things like that happen, 
the formats and the games will have to adjust. Whether that be an increase of trades available or an increase of in-game additional trades, I don't think the games can can exist with a best 18 without giving us something extra to navigate our way through um, the, the final two weeks. Because the, the AFL won't make any more adjustments to now than what they've announced. So it will only be a two-week block um, that hurts our buy around. So I think it's a cop it on the chin. And if you have to adjust, adjust. But yeah, why worry so. about something that may never come? Yeah, at the end of the day, it's not fun um, eating donuts, uh, at least in the, the fantasy <laughs> game. And so, you know, if, if we can find a, a solution, you know, the powers that be can find a solution for us to avoid those types of situations, like all power to that. Um, yeah, it's, it's just going to be a tough situation. And look, I haven't, haven't really given it too much thought because I think the reality is, you know, you, you can't plan like... This time last week, I wasn't even sure if we were going to have a round 12. Um, so it's it's one of those ones, like I've just been planning yeah, a, a little bit like it's kind of going to go like normal. Um, been planning for totally things to change last minute and sort of, you know, speaking. I think one of the really important things in this fantasy season is communicating as much as you can with all of your mates. Um, just yeah, hearing their true. different plans, um, hearing, you know, roughly where they're sort of thinking so you know i think it's it's one of those ones where there's a thousand different ideas like like you and i have spoken about mj with the brody runny situation you really could go so many different ways yeah. um it's really important you know you just hear everyone's opinion that's that's what the people are doing out here on the podcast tonight but i, I reckon you know just contact as many as you can and get some various opinions yeah and then just own your decision whatever you do don't yeah. Don't be a muppet and blame someone else for a decision you make. That's um, that's just not Never cool, and that's that. not what we're about. No, no, no. Comment on that from you. All right, all right. Before we wrap up this episode, we want to get to some of our Patreon questions again. Like we said at the top of this episode, they're getting a nice little exclusive at the moment. They are live and a part of this recording, so there might be some questions from them that pop in live. But they, as always, they are phenomenal uh, supporters, and you can join the Patreon supporter group at CoachesPanel.tv. We'd love them, but they supply us a bunch bunch of different questions uh, through so there might be some live ones that come through so if you're watching live drop them in if not we'll go to the ones that you've given to us earlier so there we go we'll hit those questions a, uh, a draft question for you ben uh, from chris jackson he's uh, in his draft format but in the ultimate footy afl fantasy scoring format he's um really want to have a big finals tilt but he needs some forwards is there anybody that you feel either via trade currency or, and again, everybody's waiver wire is different mm. too. So it's hard to give this guy should be there. Um, our mate Jordox tries to do it for us every single week. And it's a tough job to be able to say, go pick this person up. And in half the leagues, you've got 10 better options in other leagues. They're like, mate, if you don't have an average under 40, you're available. So um, who are some guys that Chris could go and look at as a, as a buy or a trade option in a draft format at the moment? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I've actually, I've got a mate who's going through this same situation and we were trying to come up with some creative names. I think maybe Patrick Dangerfield's one that is still sort of out. Um, you know, the the way that I, I don't tend to answer this with specific names, but I, I tend to look at it a little bit more like who's maybe not that competitive this season. Um, yep. So I know this is sort of more of a single season draft, but 
Potentially there's a team that might have a really strong forward line and they're just weak as in the midfield. And you're gonna, you're gonna work out what can you give up. Um, yeah. it's, it's a lot easier with say keeper leagues where there's draft capital involved and you can look at one of the teams that should be in a developing type year. Um, but I would say not so much look at a single player, but look at lists, evaluate yeah. each list. Um, identify where there's a weakness and then then attack and go for it. And, you know, and re- realize at the end of the day, if you're going for the flag, you, you might have to give up a little bit extra if you think that there's a real clear weakness in your team um, and be willing to do that. Like, a, you know, go for it, mate. Like, go for it. You, there's only it's only every so often that you're going to actually take a flag. Might as well yeah. take it, mate. Yeah, I, I think that's right. It, it all depends what are you prepared to move on and whether it's a single season league or a keeper league. Those two variables determine the kind of approach that you should go. I really like that. hope that helps you, Chris. Uh, Ian's got a couple of questions. I think I even saw his handsome name pop up live on this uh, video that we're working through as well. He wants to know, who are the players we should be targeting coming out of the buy? Okay, thanks, Ian. There's our content for next week. You're just going to try to get out of us now. Give me, give me one or two names of guys that we know that are on the buy this week. You've already given us Reeves. He doesn't count. Who's maybe a couple of other guys across the formats we should have our eyes on? Yeah, Lockie Whitfield's the main one. Um, yeah, I agree. So the Giants have an incredible draw coming out of the buy. Um, it is tasty. It is, it is, and we're going to have to attack that. Um, yeah. This is one of the, the other reasons, I think, sort of planning ahead, um, again, uh, with regards to your post on Brody Gundy, like we need to be looking at, okay, if we move down on a Brody Gundy, say we go and get a, a Nick Nat or whatever the case might be, what's it going to allow us to do? Whit, Whitfield, I think he almost needs to come into teams. He's, he is injury prone, and I think you can definitely win this season without Whitfield. But yep. I, I think he's um, he's the type of guy that can really go off. He he can be the guy that goes on a 130 run for the next five weeks. Totally. And guess what, MJ? He's got the fixtures to do it now. Uh, yeah. And he's he's feeling fresh. Um, all of these things are sort of positive indicators. I know the Giants are sort of still fighting for the eight. It's, it's yeah. going to be important that they keep sort of winning. But, um, yeah, I really like Whitfield. I like attacking the Giants' draw. Um, I... I would say have a look at the Suns list as well. There's probably a few yeah. names on that list. Um, don't want to get too specific, but yeah, yeah. There's a there's a number of uh, options, and definitely look at the guys who are who have sort of like dropped in value recently as well. Um, I know we're, we're talking about round twelve guys, but there, there's also a guy I just want to bring up um, briefly who's a round fourteen player, and we've spoken about him a little bit in recent weeks. But um, Jordan Dugowie, um Oh, yes. Has, yeah, he came out onto the, the field in that second half and played full-time midfield and basically dragged uh, Collingwood back into that game. I think yeah. that game goes another 10 minutes. I know they've got a, a lot of uh, negative publicity out of it, um, but I, I think that game goes another 10 minutes. Collingwood's they a dead set chance of winning it. Yeah, and, and bro, uh, Jordan was fantastic. Collingwood's looking for new things now. So, like, Bucks is looking to see, okay, Bianco, he can play a little bit of half or he can play a bit of wing. Oh, Poulter's a good runner. Like, he's not going to win too much on the outside, but he can run up and down that wing. He's now looking at Jordan to go. He's thinking, okay, I know he can go forward. I know in a dominant team, he can kick a lot of goals, but can he get it done in the midfield? It would not shock me that for the next eight, nine, ten weeks, he plays full-time midfield. I'm not not personally banking on it, but I can see a world in which Jordan to go, he plays full-time midfield for the rest of the season. 
and is almost as good as any forward that we've got in the game. So we're talking 450,000 here. Um, he's one that I was looking at uh, a little bit briefly today on my lunch break. Um, I think he's an exceptional value. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, really like him um, as an option. All of those names you mentioned, uh, uh, I'm a big fan on. Um, in Supercoach, Ian wants to know, who do you like more out of wines or jelly for the run home? I've been the lone cheerleader of Josh Kelly, so I should abdicate my vote in this one because it's like saying, MJ, do you like Gary Abel as a fantasy player? And I'll go, next question. Of course I do, you muppet. Um, so so who is it for you? Like, Is it as simple as who scores the most on the run home or is there some more variables? Who do you like more? Like, What should we be looking at out of jelly or wines in Supercoach? Yeah, um, so I don't play Supercoach, so I'm not 100% over the scoring system, but what I can generally say is Wines is having um, an up-season and Kelly's having year. more of that. He's been fairly average to this point and obviously he's had a really good last month. Yep. Um, I I like Kelly out of the two. I would be looking more for the values, so seeing like who's a, who's a bit of a cheaper Wines price. is about 15000 cheaper. Right, okay. So that almost surprises me, but... Um, yeah, I, I personally just, I have a fondness for, for Josh Kelly. The only yep. thing that I, that I don't like about Josh Kelly, well, there's a couple of th- things. One is he's always been a little bit injury prone. Um, yeah. you, I think we sort of spoke about this, um, going back to the preseason, actually during your top 50 countdown that Josh Kelly is a guy that you prefer to start with. Um, you know, you bring him in as a trade risk. Um, so that's, that's one that you're going to be thinking about. The other thing that um, I get a little bit concerned about with the Giants is they're maybe not as dominant as what they have been in the last couple of seasons. Obviously, like that's yeah. reflected on the ladder. Um, maybe he's not going to have those big 160s again. Um, but I, I'm, uh, I'm fortunate enough to have not owned Josh Kelly to this point in the season, but I, I love him as well. I'm, I'm a huge fan of him. So he's someone that I'll, I'll always sort of gravitate towards. Yeah, look, if you want to just look at the pure dumb, dumb numbers of what he's been able to do, we know the role change has been there for Kelly back to that midfield over the past five weeks. Been super coach um, all tons, um, but a top score of 132, a couple of other 120 plus scores. While for Ollie Wise, a little bit more of a roller coaster, but the highs are higher. He's got three scores over 134 for the year and has gone 139, 100, 134 in the past three, but has got more 70s and um, 90s in the past five weeks. So I think you could probably, based off what we're seeing right now, maybe a fraction more ceiling out of wines. And again, that's because of the dominance of Port Adelaide. But at least over the past five weeks, Kelly seems to be a little bit less variation in scoring. So all depends what you need, Ian, but good luck with that, my friend. Cool. Ben has a question. I see some good ones coming through live on the chat as well. Ben wants to know, what's your thoughts on Isaac Heaney, some of the latest press conferences and articles, do give you the impression he's a little bit week to week. What are we doing with Isaac Heaney? Because if he wasn't on your radar two weeks ago, my goodness, this weekend just gone really made everyone aware of him. Yeah, mate. So I live near um, Port Melbourne. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm quite quite near the uh, the Tasmanian ship that that heads out every sort of couple of weeks or so, and. The point I'm trying to get at here is the boat has sailed on Heaney mm-hmm. um, big time, big time. So this is this comes back to planning around um, really, really hitting hitting the time point. So Heaney last week, and this is why I bring up Jordan Duoe from before. 
Yeah. Any last week is sitting at around 450K um, across, you know, in Dream Team, not sure exactly across the formats, but um, he was coming into a good fixture. Carlton's still probably a, a fairly good fixture. Um, he'd had a couple of strong weeks. Um, now he's always got that injury risk. Unfortunately, he's just, you know, he's really beaten down at the moment. But I think it was, yeah. a, it was a risk worth taking because you were leading into that round 14. So you get three more games. Um, worst case scenario, he sort of, he had such a low break even. I think he had a break even of 10 in Dream Team. So we're probably going to make, you know, 50, 60,000 as a worst case scenario. And then you could trade him out if things didn't go to, to plan. Now yeah. you're paying another 75,000 for him. Admittedly, the break even's still not good. But the, the same, the, sorry, the, the break even's still good. But the same situation, like you, you've still got an injury risk player. Move on. He's not, uh, you missed him. Um, time to plan elsewhere. And, and to be quite frank with you, Heaney is not going to decide your season. Um, so, yeah, look elsewhere. Yeah, I really like that advice, man. That's really, really helpful for a lot of coaches that's going to get them there. Uh, that's all I'll say on that. I'm agreeing with you. Um, Big Mal wants to know, in Supercoach, what's your thoughts on Crips as a cheap M8 to finish off your line? He seems to have a second wind, or do we think there are better options around that price for less? I know you've already said you're not a huge super coacher, so I'll walk you through what he's been doing just to talk. He's down at 449000 uh, that is a substantial price drop on what he's done. Uh, but in the past three weeks in that format, he's gone 94, 95, 133. And his last 90 plus score outside of the last three weeks was round four. So he's definitely finding form, albeit for one more week before the multi-buy round. Yeah. Uh, yes, 100% take um, Patrick Cripps. So um, yep. he's, yeah, he's just huge value. Um, he's playing fantastic footy at the moment. Uh, exactly what we're talking about. Find find guys that are cheaper. Um, worst case scenario, you can always like sort of upgrade them or sideways them towards the end of the season. But Patrick Cripps is an absolute superstar. He's been an absolute uh, super coach superstar for, you know, since I can remember. I'm looking through some numbers here, MJ. Uh, 2018, 119 average. 2019, 117 average. He had a down season in 2020, but super coach was weird. The scoring for everything was a bit weird last year. Yeah. He's been a little bit sore, obviously, even though, you know, there's a, been a few question marks around Teague's commentary on that. But, look, he, he's an absolute star. I think he's going to finish the season really well. No-brainer. Yeah. Uh, why not? Make, let's make life really, really easy. I think he's not a bad option in the other formats too, but definitely Supercoach is oh, his sweet spot. All right, Peter wants to know before uh, – last couple of questions to wrap up this episode. Uh, lads, I wanted to get your thoughts. In AFL Fantasy, he's going – Grundy to Cameron, Darcy Cameron, Jeremy Cameron uh, for a three-week play or should I follow the crowd quote-unquote to go to Sean Darcy? Hey, Peter, you, there is no world you go Darcy Cameron, so not for me. Um, and Sean Darcy, I don't know if he's the crowd move again. It depends on what other um, places you listen to. And that's the thing. Whatever the voices you hear can become the popular opinion. I'm of the perspective, I'm keen on your reflection on this. You, with Grundy, you either turn him into a clear top tier guy in a like-for-like like move and, and like a clear top tier guy, um, or you use him to be a moneymaker to get you multiple really good premiums if you're trading. I don't know. Darcy, I know in AFL Fantasy, he's a forward as well as a ruck, but is he... Even though I know we're struggling for forwards in that format and really everywhere, 
is a 90 really enough? And uh, this is the reason I, I bring it up. Zorko's been, he's been flourishing without Neil, who, who will come back, but he's a safe 90 guy if he's playing. Dangerfield is one to two weeks away. Let's be honest, we all, all want to be back on that train the moment he's there. Zebel has shown over the year that he's a 95 guy on a bad game, let alone the potential series. If Aaron Hall stays fit, he's a 100 guy across all the formats, let alone what else he could do. In AFL Fantasy, Peter, the format you're talking about, Josh Kelly, Billings, Fife and Hunter are all in there. In their current roles, they're all 95 guys, maybe even 105 guys, a couple of them rolling through there. Um, that's just a couple of the names through there. I know it might. And then, then you've got the value of Heaney, who if you might have gone on a week or two ago. I just feel like a 90 ruck for a week. I, I, I'm just not a fan of Darcy. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'm overcomplicating it. I know it frees up other cash. But I, I just think it's a use it to do a double premium move elsewhere or go get a clear top tier like a, a Clayton Oliver type that, that's just a beast in his line. What, what's your take on that? Uh, MJ, you don't buy a Holden at top value. You buy a Ferrari at top value. So you go out and you buy your Max Gorn. You pay your 800000 for Max Gorn. You don't pay your 650000 for Sean Darcy. Never. There's always a no, better option. He, he, was a great, he was a great pick a month ago. Yeah, six weeks yeah. ago, fine. 100%. Don't do it. Uh, get creative. It's, it's also so, even if it, um, it feels vanilla to me, it feels like linear thinking. I'll just drop him down to the, the nearest um, scorer to this point in time. The averages yeah. that they're putting up right now are not the averages that they're going to have for the season. Um, yeah. Kane, Kane's a really big one in this. He gets creative around who's the guy, who's the Sam Walsh of last year that's going to go from an 80 in the first half of the season and really break out. Yeah. I, I almost like Rob a lot more than I do Darcy because at least with Rob, he's dropped so much. Um, there's a lot of thinking that, you know, potentially he's just been through a really poor run of form. And, you know, there were good signs on the weekend for sure. Um, I, I think there's got a lot more upside. And look, you know, Rob breaks to the upside. He averages 100 or something. You are absolutely laughing. So do not go Darcy. Yep. Straight up. All right. There you go. All right. Last couple of questions. We'll plow through this episode. Uh, Matt Davis wants to know, thanks for watching, Matt, by the way. He's keen on Petrarca this week as he sees him as a value pick across the formats. Do we agree with Matt, Ben? Uh, Petrarca? Yeah. 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 Okay. No, well, he's, he's, he's good. Yeah. It's good. Sure. Uh, this is getting to the point of the podcast where Ben is just being concise and direct for you, ladies and gentlemen. Our <laughs> uh, last two questions before we wrap it up. John wants to know, it's potentially a dumb question. My favorite way to start a question, by the way. Is Rewalt, Jack, a temporary cash generation option? Do you want me to say no or do you want to say the no? Yeah. No, John. There are other options available for you and his break-even's not so amazing that you have to do it. And by the way, he's only playing one more week before his buy, so it's not worth it. No, John. Can, can we take on uh, Paul's 
question as well because uh, i find that that's quite an interesting one personally. well that was the last question we we're going to end the episode on so Fantastic. thank you ben i appreciate you playing host that's excellent work of you paul <laughs> wants to know what are your thoughts on harms is he a real d6 option for the remainder of the season benny gogos take it away uh, i was going to ask for an opinion i definitely oh, want to um, okay yeah go, go for it man uh Yes. I, yes. I think he's a legitimate, as good as a, a D6, based on that price point as we can get. He becomes a luxury upgrade for me at the back end of the buys. Um, it gets around 15, 16, count the cost. Where's your team at? How many more trades do you have? Because injuries, restings, suspensions, things are going to come. For me, like if you look at what he's doing over the past six weeks in contrast, now I know he's only played a month, but compare that to say a Jake Lloyd, they're not a huge world apart in a couple of the formats. And, and his ceiling's just as good as someone like a Lloyd. So, so for me, I just go, look, he's there and thereabouts to um, some of these guys. You would have bought him cheap when you got him two weeks ago. So, yeah, I think for me, he's, he's the perfect guy that he's shown over the past month. His basement's like an 80, 85 but he can reach those big 120-plus scores. So barring injury coming his way, um, yeah, I, I, think he's a, I think he's a legit D6. Yeah, the, the funny thing with him is it doesn't feel like a huge upgrade to go from Harms to a Doherty right now. No, it doesn't um, feel like a move, does it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's almost shocking in it. And to be honest, it would suit me better if, if Harms was someone that you could move at round 14 because round 14 in the, the defensive line, it's going to be a few issues for, for teams, I think. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I've been leaning more towards the way you're thinking, MJ. The, the only thing I would say is when Jack Avani comes back on the scene, how does that affect Harms' centre bounce attendances? I really don't know. Um, no. But he's, he's fantastic. He's been playing really well. And actually, I think... I think um, in recent times he's sort of learned uh, what he's what he's best at doing, and he's playing some better football. Yeah. He's um, not turning over the ball as much, and nope. um, yeah, he's looking he's looking really strong. He actually threw off. He, he looked like a real physical presence against the Bulldogs um, on Friday night. He kicked a stellar goal to open proceedings. So, now big fan of James Harms. Look, maybe if it's the way, maybe if your team's complete. And it's mm. you're seeing Whitfield go on a tear, and you're riding consideration, and and Whitfield's the game breaker. Sure, maybe, but yeah, I think it's a it's a feels really luxury move at the moment, doesn't it? Um, yeah, to be able to go and get it. Um, yep, no, I, I'm a big big fan uh, of it. Hey, mate, appreciate your work on this podcast uh, episode, by the way, my friend. Thank you so much. Uh, if you want to go and check out any of the articles that we've dropped uh, right throughout the week so far and those that are to come, you can check them out at coachespanel.tv. There you'll find the links to join our Patreon supporter group where you get access to a whole bunch of things like the live interaction part, maybe a little sneaky chat at the end of the recordings. So there's a bunch of other podcasts, a heap of different articles and the exclusive Coaches Panel Patreon community is there. And if you are loving these podcasts and everything else we're doing, make sure you consider joining that. Hey, good luck. Three interesting weeks are heading for us and the good news is they are the most important three weeks of the year it is moving time ladies and gentlemen and i hope for your sake you move nice and high up the ranks Everybody.